The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP to get $15 off your first month of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by ProSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's ProSwap.com, promo code SGP. And finally, we're also brought to you by the SGPN app. That's right, we've got an app now, and the app gives you easy access to all of our picks, podcasts, and the exclusive place to enter in all of our contests. That includes the $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store and download that baby today. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I would be your host, Jeff Fox, and this would be episode 45. Um, last week, episode or our last episode, episode 44, was dedicated to a president, so 45 brings a president to mind also, um, probably the greatest president who ever um, ruled, I guess you could say, uh, in Washington, D.C., and that, would, of course, would be the president, former president, of the Washington Wizards, Michael Jordan, who, who wore number 45 when he played baseball, and he also wore 45 when he came back to basketball briefly. So, yeah, there you go. I don't know where you thought that was headed, but Michael Jordan, this one's dedicated to you. Um, my associate host has mentioned in the past that the longer my intro is, uh longer it takes for me to introduce him to the show, it's been getting quite comically long. Um, the better his picks are. So with no further ado, here's Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Oh, man, you're trying to psych me out. I like it. <laughs> now, this only works if I fade everything that you uh, you pick this week. So we'll, we'll see. Well, I don't, <laughs> we'll I, see. I, don't, I don't mean to tip my hand, but I do have uh, an ugly amount of underdogs that I feel pretty good about on this card. Oh. So maybe you'll fade literally everything I do. I, I feel like some of the ones at the top, there's no way you, uh, you go the opposite of me. I, I think we're on the same. Page, a lot of the big ones, but I, I think lay it lower down on the card. I, I think there's a good chance that we wind up pretty different on this one. Probably because I was having trouble finding uh, underdogs. I, I, I'm kind of wishy-washy in a lot of my picks, so I, I, I'm switching. I'm switching some picks as we speak because um, uh, I don't know. I haven't been picking enough underdogs, and I don't know. It, it, I found it kind of hard to to pick like the top what. Three fights or even four fights are pretty easy, but then, or even maybe maybe the whole main event's fairly simple, but then it, it gets a little tricky from there. But people aren't here to hear um, hear us make picks on the fights; they're here to hear Daniel Gumby Reelands' the Ultimate Fighter recap. So, Dan, give us <laughs> your Ultimate Fighter recap. I assume you watched it last night. Tell us what happened. I I did watch it last night. Um, I, I would say I was a little bit disappointed in the wrestling defense of Mitch Raposo, who is a uh, noted New England natives. He's from Fall River, kid. Um, and, uh, you know, he's kind of like the hot New England prospect. He had like 100 amateur fights up here and then went 5-0 and as a pro. 
Um, he, he did struggle a little bit with the takedowns of Ludovic. Man, I'm going to slaughter his last name, so I'm just going to say Ludovic, not Klein, the other Ludovic. Another Ludovic. What yeah, are the odds of that? Yeah, it seems pretty – it's spelled differently too, uh, which oh, is okay. – I don't know how many different ways you can spell Ludovic, but it, it seems like there are more than one. Um, so, yeah, like I was a little bit disappointed in his takedown defense, but I also kind of attribute that to – the fact that he's competing in the Ultimate Fighter at Bantamweight, and he's not a Bantamweight. Like, he's fought a couple of times at Bantamweight. He even fought once at Featherweight, but he's a Flyweight, uh, like, through and through. And I think he's probably going to cut down to Flyweight when he gets to the UFC eventually, which I kind of imagine they're going to give him a fight off the show. Um, and if they do, I bet you it's just not against a cast member, and it's against just, like, you know, generic Flyweight number 17. Um, so he lost uh, So he lost last he, night? Yeah, he, he looked really okay. good in the first. He stuffed a couple of takedowns, uh, worked him with his hands, clearly won the first, uh, and then clearly lost the second because the guy took him down and kind of worked to his back and just kind of chilled there um, in, like, a one-hook-in top turtle. Um what a great name. Yeah, what Pop a great turtle. name. Somebody wow. should name a podcast that. Um, but then the second, the third round, when it went into a sudden death round, same thing. Like, he, he worked his way to the back. Raposo got, like, a deep half sweep at one time and then wound up on the other guy, Ludovic's back. But uh, it didn't stay there long enough. Lost the round and, and lost 2-1 to one, uh, on the judge, all the judges' scorecards. So, yeah, kind of disappointing that my New England native didn't pan out. He was the number one pick, uh, Alex Volkanovsky's team, and now Volkanovsky's down in an 0-2 hole here to Team Ortega. Doesn't sound like either guy was a beast or a savage though in that fight, from how you describe it at least. No, it really felt like at the end of the day, like Dana White was probably higher on the dude who lost because he was willing yeah. to go throw hands. And like I said, he, he's fighting up a weight class, so he's probably going to like Mitch Raposo more than he likes Ludovic. Um, but yeah, ne- neither guy, neither guy shined like the, the guy in the first week did. And how many Ludovits is there really room for in the in the UFC, everybody? I think there's got to be just one. Yeah, you can. Yep. And the, the other one's good. <laughs> yep, yep, there you go. All right, so I, I'm sure most people are going to tune out now because that's probably why you came here, just so you can hear what's happening in Tough without actually having to watch it. But we actually have a – for those uh, few people who stay, hopefully our German listeners uh, stay. We're still big in Germany, so um, – I say um, Danka to all you uh, German listeners, but um, regardless, we have we have a big event to break down this week. But before that, let me tell you about WinBet. Of course, WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer up to five hundred dollars. Risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. So get on there. If Actually, you probably won't hear this in time. So I was going to tell you get on there and bet on the Suns to win again tonight, but you probably won't get this podcast in your ears in time. But regardless, uh, you, you can pick the Suns uh, to win whatever game's coming up. All right, let's, um, let's break down UFC 263. The Octagon heads on the road. Um... To the Gila or Gila? Hmm. What do you think it is, Dan? Gila River? Gila River? Yeah, I, I don't know the correct answer to that. To Glendale, Gila. Arizona. Glendale, Arizona, <laughs> yeah, which is technically Phoenix, I think, um, suburbs. Uh, that's where the Octagon is headed, or it's probably already there, you'd think. Um, getting set up for UFC 263, Adesanya versus Vittori 2. Um, this is a pay-per-view event, so if you want to watch it on uh, legally that is on uh, pay-per-view it's that one starts at 10 eastern 
Prelims, as per usual, 8 Eastern on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Then the early prelims are, as of now, if no fights drop off, are, it's, are starting at 6 p.m. Eastern, ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass. So let's start there, and let's start with um, our favorite thing to break down the show, which <laughs> be hashtag Chunky Guys, because there's a lot, of, there's a couple of Chunky Guys starting starting things off here for us. Um, so let's break it down, shall we? We have uh, Carlos Felipe versus Jake Collier. Um, We'll continue with the nicknames because we had fun with the nicknames last week. So Jake Collier is the prototype. I don't know what he's a prototype for, but someone who I think he's a prototype for eating your way out of middleweight and up to heavyweight probably, right? Yeah, I mean, like, if you looked at him when he was a middleweight, that nickname was very fitting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, maybe he needs a new, more chunkier nickname. But regardless, uh, we're not hating. I'm just just saying it like I see it, folks. So Jake Collier is 12 and five with five knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out himself three times. He is four and four in the UFC. He won his last fight. Uh, as I said before, he was a former middleweight fighter, and then he was a light heavyweight in the UFC. And now, how many fights has he been heavyweight? Is it just two now? It's just been two. Yep, two since okay. he returned. He's five fights. Okay. Yeah, pretty long layoff led him to heavyweight, right? And, and kind of, yeah. sort of half chronicled why and the stuff that went behind that. But, like, yeah, now now he's had two fights there. And he's, like, legit, like, both these guys are, like, top of the weight limit heavyweights, too. They're both, like, 265, basically, when they weigh in. So he is 85 pounds heavier than when – or actually 80 pounds, I'm sorry. Heavier than when he, when he used to fight at 185. So um, he's got three inches of height on Felipe. He's got three inches of reach also. Striking stats are in his favor. Um for new listeners, I track the I compare fighter stats off of Fight Metric, or it's called UFCStats.com now. Um, so I basically I compare their strikes landed, strikes absorbed, and their percentages. So how accurate they are striking, and how accurate they are uh, avoiding strikes. So I compare those, and whoever wins the most categories, uh, I consider the better striker on paper. So Collier's got that. He's also more active, the more active striker of the two. He lands more punches. He's also got the grappling stats, which is I do the exact same thing, but for for grappling, which would be uh, takedowns, um, submissions attempted, and then uh, how accurate they are with takedowns and how accurate their defense is at stuffing takedowns. So uh, Collier's got that. So he's basically got all – he's got striking, active striking, and grappling all in his favor. He's at plus 142. Uh, Carlos Felipe's nickname is Boy, B-O-I. I think I'm going to go with Prototype as, as the winner of this nickname, correct? Yeah, except for I will tell you this, and, and tell me if this changes your thoughts on this. Okay. So, Boi boy, uh, which is Carlos Felipe's nickname, is does not mean uh, boy b o y. If you translate it um, from Portuguese, it actually means bull. Um, mm, so, bull. so I don't know if that does better bull versus prototype. But I like, like prototype because prototype because it's funny because it doesn't make sense. At this yeah, point, it, so. it's it's definitely <laughs> not still fitting. That's true. Exactly. All right. So prototype is the winner. Um, Felipe is uh, sparkling ten and one as a pro with six knockouts. He's never been finished in a fight. He is two and one in the UFC. He dropped his debut and then one two straight, both via decision. Uh, he's seven years younger than Collier. He's at minus one eighty. Um, this is one of the ones I'm kind of flipping uh, back and forth on because um, all the stats basically are like the stats, which I always tell myself I should follow more because especially the striking stats, because they predict the winner 67% of the time are pointing in Collier's 
favor, but I was like going to pick Felipe originally, so I, I kind of flip it. Let's see if Dan can maybe solidify my thoughts here. So I, I don't know if this helps you, but I would say it's hard to look at these stats and, and if you're looking at them as a whole, make any use of them because, again, like you mentioned, Jake Collier's stats go back to when he was 80 pounds lighter. So like, do you really right, want to yeah. – do, do you really want to like – and if, I bet you if you look at his stats on – uh, well, it used to be called Fight Metric, but now UFC.com. I-, I bet you he's got a bunch of stats like back in the day that look great from those early events. You know, like he, he probably, I mean, like he won a fight with a spinning back kick, which he ain't doing anymore. You know, like and it, it was pretty quick too. And you know, he put 94 strikes up on a guy at like heavyweight, and you know, like he had a, a fun fight with Devin Clark, and like, yeah, like. It's hard for me to look at those stats and be like, oh, well, he's got better stats. He must be the better one here. Um, so I'm not really trusting the stats. That That's my first thing. The second thing I will say is I'm still taking Jake Collier anyway. Um, I, oh, really? I, I think I wrote off Jake Collier after getting knocked off by Tom Aspinall, right? He came back at heavyweight. Everybody was like, my goodness, he looks huge. Uh, I'm worried about how yep. his health is and how his cardio is. Then he gets knocked silly by Tom Aspinall, and everybody's like, well, just cut him now, right? He comes back in that next fight, and he looked amazing in that fight, right? Like, he looked fast uh, against very John, John Fonte. Very active, very uh, accurate. Like, he, he looked very good on the feet. And granted, John Volante, not a guy who, like, is going to make you look bad now anyway, but, like, he got in John Vellante's face. He cracked him more. His cardio held up at the end. It didn't look like he was super tired at the end. So, like, in, in retrospect, how, you know, how bad can a loss to Tom Aspinall look? So, I, I actually like Jake Collier as somebody at heavyweight right now. And granted, you know, he is a little bit older than Carlos Felipe. But here's the other thing I will say about me selling on Felipe right now and, and why I'm not really buying him as a, a favorite in this fight is, if you look at the two fights he's won at heavyweight, they're both the guys who won't take the fight to you. 100% counter-punching power punchers. Guys who are trying to line up one big heavy shot. Justin Taffa, Jorgen DeCastro. Both guys kind of known for their tentative behavior. Both guys known trying to knock your block off with one big punch. And Felipe kind of just played a really passive, really slow, really low output game. Which is why, again, you said Jake Collier's stats look better. Felipe notably is is trying to make this a slow fight. Um, and it didn't work against Sergei Spivak, right? Sergei Spivak took the fight to him and kind of beat the hell out of him. I kind of think Jake Collier is going to take the fight to him here. And, hey, heavyweights with big plus numbers next to him like this, one of them paid off for me last week in Ilir Latifi, so I'm liking it again. And Felipe's not, uh, even though he has six knockouts, he's not been a finisher in the UFC. He's yet to finish a fight, so Collier should be able to hang around to try to finish him. So, yeah, let's, let's get that plus money. Um, and I, I'm thinking this could be a hashtag chunky guy renaissance because you just named a whole bunch of fighters in, in your breakdown there, and pretty much every single one was, was a chunky <laughs> guy that you yeah. mentioned. Sergey Spivak, Sergey Spivak, Iwilatifi is a different kind of chunky, but he, there's some yeah, chunk there too. DeCastro, Tafa, man, that is a, it was like a chunky guy's hoo-hoo. <laughs> yes. It's uh, we may one of one of our off weeks we may have to have a discussion on that. Is, is this a renaissance? Is there more chunky guys? Like more like every man looking? Well, these guys are huge. These guys are huge. They're not every man, but more like all bar, bar brawling type guys. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. We we could do a, a, an all chunky guy dedicated episode the next time. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, 
Um, lightweights. Ferris, oh, Ferris Zayam versus Luigi Vandramini. As I clear my throat. One second. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. Um, Luigi Vandramini. Let's break down him first. I just read some, uh, an amazing article on him on MMA-manifesto.com, and it's burning up uh, Twitter, so you all should check it out. And it may have adjusted how, I, how I'm picking this fight. So, anyway, I don't know who wrote it. Some job. Some jobber guy probably wrote it for free, but regardless, uh, good article. Um, Luigi Vandermini, the Italian Stallion. He's 9-1, five knockouts, four submissions, so all of his wins have come via finish. He's 1-1 in the UFC. He lost his debut, and then he won his last fight via TKO. He is the more active striker of the two in landing strikes. He's at plus 108. Uh, first, Zayam's nickname is Smile Killer. I got to go with that. Yeah, that, that's a good nickname. Smile, Smile Killer wins the nickname battle. Uh, he's 11-3, five knockouts, four submissions, so he likes to finish fights as well. And these are lightweights too, surprisingly. Uh, he's 1-1 one one in the UFC as well. He won his last fight as well, so we're, we're lining up pretty similar here. He is the bigger man here, though. Four inches of height, two inches of reach, one year younger. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor. We're talking only two fights for both guys, so small sample size, minus 135. I'm going with the dog again, and I bet Dan is too. Yeah, I'm going Luigi Vendorini. And, and look, did you read that article? I yeah, I, I, I did read that article. It was yeah, it was really good. spot on and perfect. Um, it was and, edited and, awesomely. And it, it also, for some reason, uh, had a lot of the same views as I do. So, oh, okay, that's your. So, some of those views are the fact that Luigi Vendorini, you're right, has less good grappling stats. They're still good grappling stats, but less good grappling stats than Ferris Zayim because he fought. On, in his debut, Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos on short notice, and he was only 23 at the time. So you got a 23-year-old kid stepping in on short notice, fighting up a weight class against a, a killer like Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. And not only did he hold his own, but in my my opinion, was winning the round he was fighting. He had Zaleski Dos Santos' back for two whole minutes. Looked really good doing it, got knocked out by a flying knee. And, like, that happens. I'm not saying he would have won the fight long term. I'm not, you know, you know I love revisionist history, but I'm not even that revisionist. But, like, it's worth noting he had his back. He hit a takedown from a back body lock. He looked great in the grappling department. And he's a guy who has been doing jujitsu since he was a little kid. His dad's a black belt. So I like Vendramini for those grappling reasons because really when this is on the feet, I, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I, I think both of them are really talented strikers. I low-key think that this could win fight of the night. Being even at the very beginning of a card with a million great names in it and, and fights we're going to talk about later that are definitely going to be barn burners, I still think this one could steal the show because they're both so fun to watch on the feet. But I just like the fact that if it is going wrong for Vendramini, Vendramini can get the fight to the ground, use his submission game. And, you know, you mentioned that Zayim is bigger, right? He's taller, he's longer. Sometimes that's good, but that doesn't always serve you well if the other guy's trying to get on your legs, right? Like, you know, he's not got a lower center of gravity. He's not built like a wrestler. He, you know, he's long and lanky. I think Vendramini's going to get him down, and I think he's going to get the job done there. Speaking of someone trying to get on your legs... Uh, we got Roman back as the sponsor, everybody. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Get Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Get started is getting started, actually, is simple. Hey, that's the part I always mess up, isn't it? It's back again, and I messed it up again. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash SGP. Get started now and save $15 in your first month of treatment. That is the spot I always mess up, isn't it, Dan? It is, yeah. And, and that, that and sometimes <sighs> pro, props and player pro, 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 <laughs> Isn't there <laughs> one there? One. Yeah, there's a good one in there somewhere. <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up. You just wait, everybody. Who's, who's just here for the ad reads, you wait. That one's coming. All right. Um, we're speaking about grapplers. This is a grappler uh, matchup we got next. Uh, featherweights. Chase Super, Steven Peterson. Uh, um, we will start with the teenage dream, Chase Super, despite him being 21. So it's, this is kind of like one of those the prototype type uh, nicknames that don't really apply anymore. I think um, he I think he changed it just to the dream now. I, I don't. Oh, think is he, he just? I, the, yeah, I think he's just the dream, like like that, the offshoot, okay, like the offshoot Diego Sanchez when he stopped being uh, the nightmare. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, you don't want to be compared to that guy. Um, so the dream is 10, one and one with three knockouts, five submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. Two and one in the UFC. He swapped wins and losses back and forth. One his debut, lost last one, and then won his last via submission. Uh, he was one and zero on the Contender Series, but they made him wait after that before they. I think he was what eighteen when he was on that show. Um, yeah, and they made him wait a few years before they put him in the big show, and he still looks like he's less than eighteen. Um, he is two inches taller. Four inches of reach, nine years younger than Mr. Stephen Ocho Peterson. So who are we going with here? Oh, for for nickname or for a pick? Yeah, pick? not uh, nickname. We don't care about picks. I think I'm still going with Ocho, although I I know the reason why he's called Ocho, and it, it's maybe not the like the greatest story ever. It, it's, it's probably a top turtle story, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if he told that on Top Turtle or if I like asked him after the words, but it, it, the nickname Ocho is just like his high school football number. Like that boring. He was number eight in high school football. The dream wins. Teenage dream. I'll I go guess. With. I guess so. I, I'm gonna for the uh, irony of it, I'm gonna call him teenage dream. Still, even if he wants to be just the dream. Um, all right, let's tell you for you gamblers out there. Let's tell you some stats on Peterson other than nicknames. 18 and nine, five knockouts, eight submissions, three and three in the UFC. He is one and two. He won his last fight, but that was way back in September of 2019. However. Our stats tell us that people have taken a year off. Uh, they're even better now. They're 33 and 29 now. They're up to four, 53%. So it's climbing uh, from when I started tracking it before. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, he was 0-1 in the Contender Series. Before that, he was 1-1 in Bellator. Grappling stats in his favor, surprisingly. Super is known as a grappler, but Peterson's got better stats at least. Uh, he's at minus 115. Now, this is kind of a – this very – obviously, um, it's a hard one to pick because it's – Pretty much a pick him on the board, so attest to that. Um, let's break break it down, Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the breakdown is actually winds up being pretty simple. I, I think if Chase Hooper can get him down, I think Chase Hooper's grappling skills are, are good enough to win him this fight. But the, the big question is, is can he get him down, right? Like, And that was the problem with fighting Alex Caceres. And they let him rebound with a fight against Peter Barrett, who who is notoriously just, like, not a good grappler. Like, if he, he's another New England regional guy. I've seen him a 100 times. And, like, he's been a bad grappler almost his whole career. 
Um, he's been submitted a bunch of times. So, like, Chase Hooper got that rebound fight. But they put him right in there with another guy kind of like Alex Caceres. Like you said, he's got some good grappling stats, but largely, you know, Steven Peterson's game is he wants to box with you. He wants you to box back with him, and he wants to stuff your takedowns. Um, I, I think he uses his wrestling once in a while when just to mix things up, but I can't imagine he tries to here. I, I think he just is very satisfied with stuffing the takedown and, and lighting him up on the feet. And I think that advantage on the feet is going to be so notable that it's going to be difficult again for Chase Hooper to get on the inside. I, I kind of expect this to look just like the Caceres fight. So for that reason, I, I'm going with Steven Peterson in this one. Yeah. As, as am I. Um, I uh, wanted to pick Cooper, but I, I don't see him winning this one. So, But it is a pick basically a, a virtual pick almost on the board. So um, he very well could, could win it. Um, all right. Uh, brings us to a – this is the very last-minute fight. Lightweight, Matt Frivola versus Terrence McKinney. Supposed to be Matt Frivola versus Frank Camacho, but Frank Camacho got in a pretty serious car accident, what, earlier this week, just a few days ago. He's going to be okay, but uh, he had to pull out of the fight, so they brought in Terrence McKinney on short notice. McKinney was just fought in LFA what, on the 4th, so last weekend, and he's taken this fight. Um, all right, let's tell you about him. Um, nickname T-Rex, um, but Rex is spelled like wrecking things, so T-dot-W-R-E-C-K-S, T-Rex. He is 10-3 and three with four knockouts, six submissions. He was in the Contender Series. Where he lost his fight there. He lost to someone. Sean Who did Woodson. he lose? Sean Woodson would be a flying like knee or something, right? Yep. Flying yep. something. Yep. All right. Um, he has since since then he's won three straight fights via uh, some form of knockout. Uh, this will be his short notice debut, as I said. Um, and he did just fight a week ago. Uh, he's got one inch of height, two inches of reach, four years younger than Frivola. Uh, striking stats in his favor, but we're talking he's only got one fight underneath the UFC umbrella. Um, he's at plus two twenty five. And I will remind you, late replacement fighters have won 37% of the time uh, since, what, past year and a half. So um, the odds are against him there. Uh, as for Matt Frivola, nickname is the Steamroller uh, with an A at the end. So I think I'm going with, they're, they're both actually pretty good nicknames. I think I'll go Steamroller Frivola. Yeah, I, I like Steamroller Frivola, just for the, just for the rhyming portion of it. There you go. Uh, he is 8-2-1 with one knockout, three submissions. He's 2-2-1 two, two in the UFC. Lost his last fight. 1-0 in the Contender Series. 1-0 in World Series of Fighting. RIP. Uh, twice. Uh, he lands twice as many strikes as McKinney, but McKinney had one fight, and it was against uh, a pretty good fighter. Um, grappling stats in Favola's favor, but we're talking small stats. Once again, he's at minus 260. Um, tell us about McKinney. He just fought in LFA. Do you know much about him? Yeah, I know a bunch about him because LFA is one of the 80 promotions that I watch pretty much every time it's on. Uh, he 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 is a really dynamic striker with very heavy strikes. Uh, whether we're using his legs or his hands, um, he he just puts people out um, like in a really impressive way. And you know he had a run where he was finishing people with rear naked chokes and heel hooks and arm bars. And while we haven't seen him go back to his grappling. It almost kind of feels like one of those grapplers who's a really, really solid grappler who's just kind of fallen in love with his hands. Um, you know, like Justin James is a good example of that. That dude was a wrestler and just kind of, you know, he knocked out, you know, Frank Camacho, who actually was supposed to be in this fight. And then he was like, oh, I strike now. And, and it kind of feels that way for McKinney, but it's it's really been working for him. Like his last three fights are all knockouts, the longest one being, 
you know, in a minute 12. So, like, he has put people away. And not not bad competition either because two of those fights are in LFA. So, yeah, he's a – I guess the, the best way to talk about it, he's just a really dynamic striker, really powerful striker. Um, and I think he's probably got sneaky jujitsu, although we haven't seen that in, in in probably a couple of years and, and not at a super high level. Nothing worse than sneaky jujitsu, let me tell you, those sneaky jujitsu practitioners. Um, does he have a chance in this fight? I I have a question mark beside I, – I, I'm leaning towards picking him, but um, 225 is a nice number too. I know the odds are against a guy coming in short notice, but – he just knocked out a guy in, what, two or three minutes? A guy who's never been knocked out before, uh, and that was just a week ago. Um, he probably came out of there unscathed, still in shape for the fight. So I think this is a little bit of a different notice. And is, the steamroll is not exactly a world beater. Am I crazy to think T-Rex may be able to win this? No, you're not, because I was already going to pick him. I was, actually oh, waiting to, nice. I, I was actually waiting to see if you were going to pick him, because you didn't ask yep. me who I was going to take. So I was like, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll just let Jeff slip and see if he's taking Frivola. But... Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned that he came out unscathed. This is actually going to be his fourth fight in 2021. Um, he, he, he's already racked up three knockouts this year, and the first one was in March. So he's going to have four fights between March and the you know early part of June. So he has been really active, and, and like I said, a combined amount of time of that fight is all under two minutes. Like, if you add all three fights up, he hasn't been in the cage two minutes yet. Um largely because of two head kicks with really good follow-up and, you know, just an absolute bomb of a punch the last time out. So, yeah, I mean, I like him in this fight, too, because, you know, Frivola, grappler, very heavy, likes to go to the takedown. He's also kind of fallen in love with his hands lately and doesn't have that same level of knockout power. And I also just think McKinney having the submission defense and, the you know, the submissions on his record, maybe that's enough that, like, in the... If Frivola does get it down, like, he's going to be safe there, and then he winds up back on his feet. So, yeah, I like McKinney in this fight, too. Yeah, I don't like that we're we're uh, matching up here, especially after I jinxed it starting the show, but I do like that we're we're, we're already, what, three deep on the dogs, so that's nice. And this one will be a very nice payout if, if it uh, comes through. So let's do it. All right, uh, main event of the early prelims, women's bandweight, Penny Kayanzad versus Alexis Davis. Davis is a Canadian like myself, and I – Usually try to fade them because that's uh, when I pick them, I tend to lose money. Um, I figure every time a Canadian's up, I'm going to uh, drop some Canadian knowledge on you and, and quiz Dan. Dan, which province do I live in? You live in Ontario. Okay. And if I was going to drive to another province, which one would be closest for me to drive to? New Brunswick? No. God, Al- no. Al- Alberta. Alberta. Oh, my God. No, Quebec, obviously. Quebec oh, is yeah, right, sure. right beside us. Sure. Why all right, not? this is – Dan's got how many degrees? <laughs> are, those, degrees. Are, those all, are those all provinces? Yeah, none of them are in Canadian studies, surprisingly. <laughs> they're, they're all, I know, but, but I uh, – it's just ridiculous how much we know about the states and the states know about us, even I know a smart person like Dan. Trudeau's your, your prime minister. It's true. Yeah. New Brunswick's like – you have to go through Quebec to get, get to New Brunswick. But isn't so, Prince anyway. Edward Island there? Yeah, Prince Edward and you got to drive on a super long bridge to get there. I went there yeah. as part of my honeymoon. Yeah, it's fun. My my, yeah. uh, my uncle used to work at an oil rig in Prince Edward Island. Fun fact. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so that's uh, we have another Canadian coming up, so we're going to save some more for that. Um, let's break down Alexis Davis, nickname Ally Gator, A L L Y Gator. Uh, Twenty and ten, two knockouts, eight submissions. She's seven and five in the UFC. 
Um, she lost three straight and then won her last one. Um, she was on a slump since she became a mommy, but she got a win and we both picked against her last fight and she screwed us over. Um, that's a Canadian for you. Uh, two and oh in Invicta, two and one in Strike Force. She's been around for a very long time. Um, one of the pioneers, basically. She's got two inches of reach and grappling stats in her favor, uh, plus 175. Kai a Bonsai is her nickname. Again, both of those nicknames are pretty good. I think I'm going to go with Alligator. Oh, I think it, I think that one's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I like Bonsai. Oh, I, I can see that, too. I don't like Bonsai's Alligator. Is like, it's like worse than a dad joke somehow. Maybe, well, maybe that's why I like it. Maybe that's why I like it. That, it fits right in with uh, – it's right on, uh, on point with me. All right, Kai and Zod, Bonsai, 14-5, three knockouts. She's – Three and two in the UFC over two stints. Um, she's won three straight fights, though. She was two and zero oh on the Ultimate Fighter. Also, she was two and three in the Victa. Uh, she's an inch taller, seven years younger. Striking stats in her favor, and she's a more active striker. The two minus two twenty-five, and of course, I am going to fade the Canadian. And go with the Iranian Swede. Is it Sweden? Yeah, she's no. Swedish. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. she's Swedish. Yeah, you nailed there that. There you go. I, I'm gonna go with Panty too. I think the the big thing for me here is just the the size difference, right? Because you know Davis was kind of killing herself to get down to flyweight. You know, you mentioned she had had a tough run since becoming a mom. She also tried to come back at flyweight and fought at flyweight a few times, and, and that clearly wasn't the answer. You know, her last fight was again against a flyweight, but up at bantamweight. So like, you know, she's back feeling healthy, which is probably good for her. I just don't think she's going to have a good time in the clinch against Panny Kianzad and and she's not like a uh like a big bull rush double leg takedown and in, in open space kind of kind of wrestler um so like I, I think she's going to have to work her against the cage and get her down there and I, I don't I don't know that she's going to win that kind of clinch battle Kianzad looked really good last time out with her striking she wasn't overpowered by Sajara Eubanks who is incredibly strong so like i'm not so worried about uh, against somebody like alexis davis so yeah i, I like peony kianzad in this one as well there you go plus we're mad at davis because she uh made us lose last time so all right uh, that's that's your early early prelims uh let me tell you about prop swap and then we'll get into the main prelims and we got lots of fights to go still so let's crank this thing out um PropSwap, we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship and Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like, but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, and then buy it. PropSwap is making it easy to profit these playoffs by trading in and out teams as the postseason progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Montreal Canadiens Stanley Cup future for $45 when the team was down 3-1 against the Maple Leafs. Now they've won seven straight, I should uh, I should mention. A few days later, he flipped it for, for $600. So with PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Think stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP, naturally, on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. All right. Another Canadian time. Featherweights, Masar Evolev, Hakim Dawadu. So that means Canada trivia. Okay, I live in uh, Kitchener, Ontario, Dan, which former um, heavyweight boxing champion grew up in the same hometown a few years older than me, but he grew up in the same hometown as I am in. Well, so you're going to stump me there, but just because uh, my boxing knowledge is trash. I know nothing about uh, boxing history, nor do I know anything about Canadian boxing history. 
Um, have you heard of Lennox Lewis? Oh, I have heard of Lennox Lewis. There I, you go. I know Lennox, Lennox Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yes. Lennox Lewis went to a high school not too far away from my high school, but he's older. So there you go. There's, there's your trivia. Um, let's do the Canadian first. Hakeem Dawadu. Nickname, Mean. Mean Hakeem. It sounds actually all right when you put his name with it. Um, 12-1-1, seven knockouts, 5-1 in the UFC. He's won five straight fights after dropping his debut. He was 7-0-1 in World Series of Fighting, so he came in here quite uh, highly regarded into the UFC. One inch taller, one inch of reach on Evelev. Uh, striking and active striking stats in his favor, plus 195. Evelev, 14-0, three knockouts, four submissions, 4-0 in the UFC, three years younger. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 250. I'm fading the Canadian. I'm taking uh, the minus 250, please. Yeah, I'm taking Evluev too. And I would say, you know, the only thing that has given Evluev trouble in the UFC is fighting guys who are are really good wrestlers and whose stuff is wrestling. You know, like Nick Lentz gave him a little bit of trouble. Uh, Mike Grundy gave him a little bit of trouble. Um, but, like, Dawudu doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to threaten him with that or even deal with that really well, right? Like Dawudu got taken down by Kyle Bochniak a couple of times and, you know, not not knocking Kyle Bochniak here and he did, you know, stuff a ton of Bochniak's takedowns, but like Evloev is a better wrestler. He puts a lot of takedowns out there, even if he doesn't get them all. And I think enough of that is going to, although I guess he didn't put too many out there against Lentz, but like, I, I think enough of that game is going to get to Dawadu, and it, it's just going to be tough for him to stay off of his back or to stay off of the cage and get any of that, like, fun, talented striking going. So, yeah, I, I kind of think Evloev just kind of blankets him here in what I imagine will kind of be a boring fight. There you go. Um, and Dawadu didn't hasn't exactly been ripping through a murderer's row of people over his last five wins. It's Austin Arnett, Kyle Bochniak. Yushinori Hori, Julio Arce, Zubera Tukugov. So he, he didn't really beat any world beaters there. So um, speaking of world beaters, Dan's girlfriend's up next. Women's flyweight, Laura Murphy, Dan's number one Laura Murphy fan club. Um, she will be fighting JoJo Calderwood. Oh, um, we forgot about nicknames. Evlab does not have a nickname, so mean Hakeem obviously wins, right? Obviously. All right, uh, these girls do here. These ladies uh, do have nicknames. Women's favorite, uh, Dan, uh, Dan's favorite, Lauren Murphy. Lucky Lauren Murphy. Um, she's, do you really like her fighting, or you just think like she's like your underdog, like your root hunk, and she's, she seems to be getting not the respect she deserves? Uh, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, okay. I think she doesn't get the respect she deserves, but I also think she is exciting to watch. And she's a regular on Top Turtle, correct? She's been on more than once, I think, right? Uh, she's, she's been on a few times. Yeah, she was even on a yeah. pandemic episode when we, like, couldn't talk about fights and had no idea who to interview. She, like, stopped by and gave book recommendations for second lockdown. <laughs> there you go. Lucky lucky Lauren for you. Lucky Lauren Murphy. 14-4, uh, eight knockouts, one submission. Never been finished in a fight. She is 6-4 and four in the UFC. She's won four straight uh, fights, though, which is why um, – Dan and, and myself, not as uh, as vehemently as Dan, but we both think that she's right real close to a title shot. So four straight wins. She sub-win her last time um, in the cage. She was 0-1 on the Ultimate Fighter, 3-0 and in Invicta, where she was their Bantamweight champ. Um, this one will be at Flyweight. Um, what else can I tell you? Two inches of reach, minus one, uh, sorry, plus 115 over JoJo. Jojo Calderwood, a.k.a. Dr. Neville. Um, yeah, she's obviously wins either nickname. She, I think she wins. 
Yeah, although she she doesn't go by Dr. Neville really anymore. She does go no. by JoJo, which I don't know if is better than Lucky Lauren. Of course you don't. <laughs> I am I am a big Calderwood fan too. I, I'm like, I know, not, that's I, the problem. Eh? Like, like this is a really tough fight for me to watch, being that I yep. like both of them so much. Yep. Um, both of them kind of snake bit for title uh, shots, too. Um, yep. So Calderwood, 15-5, five knockouts, one submission. Uh, she's won three – sorry, she's lost three times via submission, but Murphy's only won once via submission, so that probably won't come into play. 7-5 in the UFC, won her last fight, uh, but she's only 2-2 two and two over her last four. She was also on the Ultimate Fighter where she was 1-1. One she also was in Invicta, where she was 4-0. Uh, she's an inch taller, two years younger, more active striker, better grappling stats, minus 145. Uh, Dan's going to pick Lauren Murphy. You probably don't even need a breakdown, right? I, whew, man, this, this is such a... I, <laughs> I, I am gonna, in trouble, too. I am going to take Lauren Murphy. Uh, I'll start there, because I did tell you I, I had a bunch of underdog picks I liked here. I picked three. This will be my fourth. I do like her in this fight, but there's so many, like, weird dynamics going on in this fight where, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I have no interest in in betting on either side of this fight. Just because I think, first of all, the lines are really close, and there are so many dynamics in play that are really hard to call, right? Like, Calderwood is probably the better and more technical striker. She probably also does not have the right kind of output to, like, really put Lauren in trouble, she also rushes forward and winds up in the clinch a lot. Murphy looks stronger. Murphy probably has got the better wrestling. But, like, also Calderwood, since she started working with her now fiancé, John Wood, like, they they have, like, really reinvented her wrestling game and her, her grappling game to, to the point where she looks very good grappling uh, in each and every one of her fights and even looked like she has a grappling advantage over people like, you know, Jessica I. I, I thought she had a grappling advantage over Caitlin Chokagian. Um, you know, she took down Andrea Lee twice. Like, she, she, despite the fact that she has this, like, Muay Thai, you know, moniker kind of behind her, you know, even with the nickname Dr. Neville, like, I think a lot of people think of her as a striker, but she's really reinvented herself. And while that is good in most cases, I don't know that it's good against Lauren Murphy, who is, like I said, a little bit more well-versed in the wrestling. She, I think, going to be physically stronger in this fight, at least I would imagine. So I guess for those reasons, I'm going to go with Murphy. But, like, if, if JoJo keeps her distance and decides she wants to turn this into a kickboxing match, I actually think that favors her pretty pretty heavily here. Right. Um, I'm going to take the plus money, too, but uh, I agree with everything you said. This is a very... Well, obviously, via the uh, the Lions show how uh, how close a uh, fight this is on paper. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the plus money on it. Um, I can see either fighter winning. And if you aren't a total degenerate and don't follow our advice and bet 100 bucks in every fight, and then this may be one that you want to just just avoid. Um, moving on, light heavyweights. Uh, these guys just fought. Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. Um, their fight uh, was a no contest after, what, one round um, last yep. time? I was it I poke? Was it no? It was it was uh, Eric Anders had, had absolutely demolished Darren Stewart, who was crumbled right. in the against the cage, pretty right, knee, much yes. already out. And then he threw a knee that he didn't need right. to throw. Like if he just backed yep. up, threw one more right hand to the side of Darren Stewart's head, they probably just stopped it, and instead he made it a knee instead of a right hand. Yes, right. I I remember now. Um, so Darren Stewart, the dentist. 12-6-1 with two no contests. He's got seven knockouts, one submission. Five and six with two no contests in the UFC. 
As I mentioned, his last fight was a no contest. He's three years younger than Anders, plus 115. Eric Anders' nickname is Ya Boy. Um, I might pick that just because it's funny and very stupid. Very, very stupid nickname. The dentist is good too, but Ya Boy is just so bo- dumb, I think. Ya Boy Eric Anders? <laughs> yes, that's just, a, that's like Remember the Name, which is coming up. But yeah, yeah. I'm going with Ya Boy because it's just funny. Yeah, I, I like that one better too. Okay, he's 13. We're on the page, we're on the same page uh, this week. It's very frightening. We, we, we haven't uh, missed a, a pick yet. And nope. I, I warned that I was going with too many underdogs, and, and so far you have just trailed every one of them. Yeah, I didn't think I was going with many underdogs, and then the more I've looked at the my spreadsheet here, I'm like, yeah, I think I will take these dogs. Let's see if we'll take the this dog here, the dentist dog. All right, uh, we'll tell you about Ya Boy first after already broken down the dentist. Ya Boy is 13-5-1 with one no contest, eight knockouts, one submission. Five and five with one no contest in the UFC. His last fight was also that no contest we just told you about. One no in Bellator. He's got an inch of height and inch of reach, so they're basically identical sizes. Uh, striking and grappling stats in his favor, minus 145. I'm going with Ya Boy because he was killing Stewart. So if he doesn't use his former college football player brain in, in this fight and actually fights smarter, I think he, he gets the job done. Yeah, and, and you know, I think – this is one of those fights that they ran back because it's better for Anders to have the real win on his record afterwards, um, not because it, it was competitive in any way. And look, you know, I, I'll keep the breakdown super simple here. I think the first time was not a fluke, and that's it. Like, he was going to win that fight. It wasn't a fluke. I expect him to do it the same way again. He out, out athletic him. Out. <laughs> He, um, yeah, he, he swarmed him, and yeah, I see it happening again. You're right. Which, like you said, you're probably right. This will be good enough. Um, they're they're um, booking this because it will be good for Anders. Um, so the main event of the prelims is a lightweight battle between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. Another fight I have a question mark beside who I picked because there's a lot of uh, a lot of tough ones here. Um, Let's tell you about Brad Riddell first. Quake uh, Riddell, um, nine and one with five knockouts. Uh, he's a teammate of the main eventer Israel Adesanya. Um, he is three and zero in the UFC. He's won six straight fights. He's got an inch of reach in three years. Uh, he's three years junior of Dober. He's got striking and grappling stats. He's at, he's at plus one fifteen, and it says Jeff question mark under his name because I'm. Thinking about taking him, but I'm not positive. Uh, Dober, 23 and 10 with one no contest. Uh, 10 knockouts, six missions. Oh, he has no nickname, so obviously Quake is going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> there you go. Um, let me see. He's been subbed himself four times. Uh, he's 9 and 6 with one no contest in the UFC. He's 3 and 1 uh, over his last four, but he lost his last fight. Um, one and on Bellator, one inch of height, minus 145. Like I said, I'm leading towards uh, Riddell. Should I pick him, Dan? Yeah, let's let's go all the way the same on the prelims. Oh, gonna, my gosh. I'm, okay. I'm going to take Brad Riddell, too. Yeah, look, I think Riddell's a better striker, right? Like, Riddell has, like, a very long Muay Thai background. He's looked very good in the UFC using that. Um, you know, like, I guess the, the knock here is that he's given up some takedowns in his, his run in the UFC. But, like, he, they don't keep him down all that often, right? Like, Magomed Moussa's five took him down eight times, and I think, you know, like, if you add up all of the top control time he had, I, I think he, he was on top, you know, for a while, but it was, like, less than a minute per takedown or something like that. And, you know, Drew Dober isn't a takedown machine either. He prefers to strike. He, he prefers to get in there and bang. I assume he thinks he's the better striker, 
And I assume that he's also wrong. Like, I, I don't think he's right about that. Like, I think Brad Riddell is a better striker than he is. So for that reason, like, if if Dober isn't going to wrestle with him and Dober isn't going to take it to the ground, like, I'm taking the kickboxer to beat the guy who is going to try to out-kickbox the kickboxer. There you go. We may be lining up. Like, we what, a few weeks back when we all had the same picks, right? I, I think we did bad that week, though, didn't we? When we I... all had the same picks? I, I think, or did we do mediocre as per I, usual? I think there were there are two different weeks that we did almost the, did the same picks. One was a mediocre boys at their very best uh, kind of time, and one was actually we were at our best. So I, I think we got one in we're one and one in that category. Yeah, so far we are identical. Um, okay, we're going to move into the main card, but of course, I always tell you it's going to be commercial free. But so let me tell you about our last sponsor, which is ourselves, the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts, plus the app is the exclusive way to enter all the SGPN contests, including your SGPN $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just download the app and hit the contest tab for your chance to take home $1,000. I think the deadline is the 14th for that, so get in on there soon. Um, make, sure you t- make sure you spell Phoenix Suns correctly when you put in your NBA champ guess. Don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. It's a very, very good app. Um, You get notifications every time, if you want. Turn notifications on. You get a notification every time a new uh, podcast is posted, which is pretty much every few hours, it seems. We're a very busy network, so make sure you grab the SGPN app today. Um, All right, main card, pay-per-view, 10 p.m. Start with light heavyweights. Paul Craig and... I'll call him Jamal Hill, but I, it's really pronounced. It's really spelled Jamahal, which is how I think it should be uh, should be pronounced. So, uh, Paul Craig, nicknamed Bear Jew, he's fourteen four one, with two knockouts, twelve submissions. He's been knocked out himself three times. Uh, could be some foreshadowing there. Uh, he's six four one in the UFC. He's won his last two fights both via stoppage. We had a submission and a TKO. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus two thirty. Jamal Hill, Sweet Dreams is his nickname. Bearju obviously wins, right? Yeah, Bearju dominates. <laughs> there you go. Bearju dominates competition. Um, Sweet Dreams, eight and zero with one no contest, four in four knockouts, one submission, two and zero with one no contest in the UFC, one and zero in the Contender Series. He won via TKO his last fight. He's got an inch of height, three inches reach, four years younger. He's got striking stats in his favor. He lands three times as many strikes as Craig does. Minus 300. I will be taking him at minus 300. I may want to parlay that, not parlay that, but make a prop bet of him winning via knockout so he can get better money than minus 300. Well, we got our first difference because I'm going to tell you. Oh, of course you want the grappler. Don't don't take Jamal Hill in this fight because while I really do like Jamal Hill and I, I think he is a decent prospect, I think he's going to find himself on the seat of his pants here. Um, if you look at the guys he's fought in the UFC, not not a really impressive batch of fighters. Darko Soizic, Kalidzin Abreu. Then he did knock out Ovin St. Preux, and I, I think that's an impressive one. But but what do we know about Ovin St. Preux that we've really liked of him in the past? He's got kind of fun chokes and fun fun grappling, right? And he didn't even once try to grapple Jamal Hill. And if you look back to the last person who did try to, to, to grapple him, which is Darko Stoizic, he was 6-9 and nine in takedown attempts. And, and I actually don't even think Darko Stoizic is as good of a wrestler even as Paul Craig. Because Paul Craig last time out looked much improved in that category. He, he took down Shogun a whole bunch of times. 
you know, he's taken down a lot of guys in his UFC career, including he took down Jimmy Crew a whole bunch of times, which I think people forget about because Crew did come back and win that fight by submission. But, like, I, I don't think Jamal Hill is going to win this fight by submission, and I do think he is going to wind up on the ground mixing it up with Paul Craig at least once or twice. And, um, man, I guess I just haven't seen enough of his grappling to be, like, definitively, yes, he can definitely defend takedown attempts from Paul Craig. But, man, at those kind of numbers, when you're seeing Paul Craig's number, and, hey, it might even get bigger, but, like, hovering around 250, man, I, I do really like that number for Paul Craig. Yeah, I don't like the number here whatsoever. Um, and, yeah, the, the grappling obviously makes me worried, but I'm I'm going to take Jama Hall anyway because um, that's just the way I roll. Uh, welterweight, uh, Damian Maya is back uh, versus Malal Muhammad. Um, Bilal Muhammad, no, we'll go with Maya first. No nickname, boo. Um, 28 and 10. Three knockouts, 14 submissions. He's 22 and 10 in the UFC after making his debut in 14 years ago. Um, he got TK out in his last fight, but he won three straight before then. Uh, he's not fought since March of 2020. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion multiple times. Um, he's got two inches of height over Muhammad. Striking stats in his favor. He's at plus 185. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. Obviously wins because he's up against no one. What's better, remember the name or Bearju? Bearju. Okay. Definitely Bearju. Yeah, I, I think you're right. <laughs> What's better, Ya Boy or remember the name? Ya Boy. Yeah, remember the name I don't, I don't really love. He markets himself no, well, no. though. His podcast is pretty fun to listen to. After it's, you've listened to every single podcast I've ever been on, you could listen to Remember the Show. Yes, I haven't. I, haven't, uh, I didn't do the long introduction today, so everyone hasn't heard. The new listeners haven't heard the 28 podcasts that Dan hosts. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that before we, uh, we bid you farewell. All right, let's break down Remember the Name, which is a very ridiculous nickname, which is why I like it. 18-3 and three with one no contest, four knockouts, one submission, so he is not a finisher. 9-3 uh, and three in the UFC with one no contest. No, one no contest would be his last fight where he got uh, his finger all the way into his eyeball from the man fighting next, Leon Edwards. Um, he was 2-0 and oh in Bellator also. He's 11 years younger than Maya. Maya is, what, 40? this year, I think? I think, I, I, think he's a, I think he's 103. Yeah, 103, <laughs> which, yeah, Muhammad's 93, 92, that's right. And, uh, Maya's 103. Uh, Muhammad lands twice as many strikes as Maya, because Maya doesn't throw strikes or get hit. Um, Muhammad's minus 240. What are you thinking on this one? I'm taking Damian Maya. I, I think... Uh, I was, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about it. I, I think it's smart. Like, okay, so you're right. Damian Maya, 43 years old, and we're thinking, uh, I don't know anymore. He's 43 years old. I, I want you to really think about this. Even if you're not looking at his record, who's the worst guy who he's lost to in the last 10 years? Let's We'll give you 10 years of losses. Yeah, I I, I couldn't tell you because I so, don't remember things. So, I'm going to so, look at his record, though, so and tell you. I'm going to read off to you the guys who's beat him. Gilbert yep. Burns, Kamara Usman, Colby Covington... Tyrone Woodley, Rory McDonald, Jake Shields, Chris Weidman. Those are the only people who have beat him in the last ten years. Yeah, and like, and Muhammad's not a Muhammad's not a finisher either. Like, it, sorry to interrupt, but like I said, so he should be able to hang with him. You think? Yeah, and like Muhammad also isn't a guy who is going to outposition him, right? Because like that—that's the other thing about all of those guys. You'll notice Gilbert Burns, good wrestling, good jujitsu, can keep it on the feet. Same with Usman. Usman chose not to grapple with him. Covington chose not to grapple with him. 
Woodley chose not to grapple with him. Rory McDonald grappled with him a little bit, but like held his own enough to win. Jake Shields, again, could hold his own because he's a phenomenal grappler. Chris Weidman, same thing. And even Chris Weidman and Jake Shields, those fights against wrestlers both went to split, right? Like one judge scored both of those for Damian Maia. So the, the only people who are out there beating Damian Maia are people who can control where the fight goes. I don't know that Bilal Muhammad can do that, right? Like, I, I I think Bilal Muhammad probably gets taken down here. You know, like, I mean, he Damian Maia took down Jorge Masvidal and, and beat him. Like, people forget that. Like, and not that long ago either. Like, four years ago, he beat Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he choked out Neil Magny. He choked out Matt Brown. Like, man, uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be beating a dead horse here, but, like, Damian Maia is not washed even at 43 years old. I think this is a sneaky good fight for him. Yep. I am going to get on the train too because I've always been a fan of Maya, but also um, logically thinking this is, like I said, this is a good matchup for him. He's not fighting a killer or a savage, and uh, yeah, um, he should be able to hang around long enough to, all, all he needs is one takedown, and it could be game over right there. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, the the style that Muhammad gives, I, I think he does try to keep distance, but I don't know that he does it, like, at the level of, like, you know, a guy who, who can both keep – well, I, I guess this is the, the problem, right? Can he both keep distance, and when that distance disappears, can he get away? Because that's, that's what Usman and Burns and Covington and Woodley all did – and I think he might be able to do the the first, but when that distance does sort of shorten up, the latter is – I don't think it's much of an option for him. Yep. All right. Let's do this, man. I ended up with a lot more dogs than I expected. I think I'm going chalk the rest of the way, though, and I'm thinking Dan is too. Um, what's rates? Leon Edwards versus Nate Nathan Diaz. Nathan Nate Diaz um, making his return. Uh, Diaz has no nickname. That's kind of surprising. He has no nickname. Brother doesn't either, does he? No, they, they they very much are just about like repping the family name. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's one positive. Um, uh, also, we do know that he is a favorite of Dan's wife, correct? Yeah, she loves watching Nate Diaz. I I don't know so much there that she, okay. she likes Nate Nate Diaz as as like a human. Um, she, I, mm-hmm. I think I think she likes serving as my Nate Diaz translator, which is also nice. She she understands what he's saying. Yeah, that's fine. I do. So yeah, so I use her as a Nate Diaz yeah. translator. There you go. She's a Nate Diaz whisperer. You could say. <laughs> um, all right, Mister No Name Diaz. Obviously, okay. We'll, we'll just go go the nicknames right away. Rocky Edwards, not that great of a nickname, but you win by default. So. Um, Mr. Diaz, 20 and 12, five knockouts, 11 submissions. He's 15 and 10 in the UFC. He also, just like Maya, um, debuted 14 years ago. He, before that, he was actually, uh, he was in tough. Uh, he was 3 0 in tough, and then he ended up winning the Ultimate Fighter Championship in 07. Um, before all this, he was 3 1 in World's uh, WEC, WEC Never Die. Um, maybe my favorite promotion of all time. He also was 1-0 in Strikeforce. Um, he's 1-2 in his last three fights. He lost his last fight, which was back in November 2019. He's only win he's had in, what, the past five years was a decision victory over Anthony Pettis in 2019, so two years ago. Two inches of reach, more active striker, uh, plus 380. Surprisingly, there's still a massive number on him. Um, 
So maybe tells you how um, how good Edwards is in this matchup to him because you would think the numbers would be a lot closer with Diaz being a, com- a name that the commoners know. Rocky Edwards, 18-3 with one no contest, six knockouts, three submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's uh, he's not going to get finished in this one either. Um, we'll give you a spoiler right there. Uh, he's 10-2 and two with one no contest in the UFC. No contest was his last fight, which we just told you about, where he decided to uh, do some eye surgery on Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. Um, he's two inches taller, six years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor, minus 550. Well, I don't like numbers that high. He's, he's the obvious pick here. Um, he's going to win via decision. Diaz is going to complain and say that he won the fight. He won all five rounds. You know, the typical, um, what, typically what happens when Diaz loses. So that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, and I might stay away from this fight altogether, um, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. Because, you know, you mentioned the prop of him winning by decision might be, a nice one, but there are a couple of factors that make me not even really like that prop. Like, I'm picking Leon Edwards to win, too. I, I think he wins this fight pretty easily. But, like, you also forget Leon Edwards is a guy who, while you're like, oh, I don't know, he wins a lot of decisions, he does have crazy power, right? Like, he he knocked out, uh, what was the Polish kid, uh, Seth Bozinski. He knocked out Seth Bozinski in eight seconds one time. He also submitted Albert Tumanoff, who who is really good, too. He's got a ground-and-pound finish in there. And while I don't expect him to knock out Nate Diaz, it also wouldn't surprise me if he racked up enough strikes to get, like, a doctor stoppage. Because yeah, Nate Diaz, I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah, Nate Diaz's face blows up like a balloon every single time he fights. So like He's a bleeder. Yeah, so I don't want to take the prop of, of expecting a decision here. I don't like the number enough straight up, even to throw in a parlay. I, I think, like, you stay away from this one again. It, it, it's like kind of one of those fights where either you like the underdog or you don't bet it. Um, so I, I'm going to take Leon Edwards too. I, I think low key things that people forget about. He is a pretty good wrestler. His striking is probably just as good as Diaz is. You know, like he doesn't bleed every single time you look at him the wrong way. So like, I, I mean, there are so many good factors here for Leon Edwards. I also legitimately think he's just overall a better fighter. So yeah, Leon Edwards here all day. Yep, Leon. Uh, yeah, that, that's the other uh, outcome other than complaining that you lost the decision, but you won is uh, Dr. Stoppage complaining that the, the fight got stopped because you were bleeding like a stuck pig. So that that may be the more likely uh, outcome of the two. So wait, which brings us to a championship rematch uh, for the flyweights. Devisan Figueredo, the champ versus Brandon Moreno. Um, Brandon Moreno is the assassin baby. Um, 18, five and two with three knockouts, 10 submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's six, two and two in the UFC over two stints. Uh, he, last fight was a draw, which was the championship fight versus Figueredo. Uh, he was 0 one on the ultimate fighter, two inches of height, two inches of reach in his favor, plus 195. Uh, Figueredo has got a lot of nicknames, Daiko, Deuce de Guerra, which is God of War, Figgy Smalls, so he, he wins. <laughs> He wins the nickname battle. Figgy Smalls needs to be used more often. <laughs> it should. There you go. Figgy Smalls. Maybe we can bring that uh, bring that alive. Uh, he's 21-1 with nine knockouts, eight submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 9-1-1 in the UFC. His last fight was a championship draw where he was deducted a point, and we still think he won the fight regardless. But um, six years younger, striking stats in his favor, minus 250. Uh, I think we're both going with the champ to retain here. Yeah, and it, it's it seems like sloppy analysis, but like I I just see kind of similar to the the Anders Stewart fight. Like this, this there's nothing to make me think that this fight won't go like the first one. And in my opinion, 
Figueredo won four of those rounds. Even if you take so, even if you take the point for the third where he, he you know, gave him a, the good old fashioned dick kick, I, I still think Figueredo should have won that fight, uh, 47-46, um, or rather 48-46. So, like, ultimately. It's a shame that it was a draw. It was a really fun fight, so I'm looking forward to it being run back. But I really don't have any reason to believe that Moreno is going to do much better than he did this time. And, like, this time, even if you don't agree with my assessment that it was 4-1, to one, you agree with my assessment that at the bare minimum it was 3-2. to two. So, like, yeah, like Figueredo's going to win here again. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if he finished him either. Like, he's got the better finishing power of the two here. Yeah, um, sticking, well, he, he lasted five rounds, rounds with him originally, but, um, yeah, the clock is ticking on, on, uh, getting put away uh, when you're in the ring with that man. So I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's not able to last another five. So, um, that is our pick. The champ retains, and I think that, that's going to be our pick for the main event too. Um, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori in a rematch. Um, they fought, uh, to a split decision victory for Adesanya. When was that? Back in 2018. Um, but now Adesanya is the champ. That was on his way, on his rise, um, up the ranks. Um, all right. Vittori, Italian dream, angry Marvin, which is what he basically he is. Um, and Italian lion are his nicknames. He's 17, four and one. Two knockouts, nine submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's seven, two and one in the UFC. He's won five straight. His last loss actually was to Adesanya back in 2018. He's four years younger, more active striker, uh, better grappling stats, plus 205, and he's definitely more angry of the two. He's the, mo- the angriest man in the world, actually. Um, Adesanya, the last style bender. I'm going to go with the angry Marvin over the last style bender, nickname-wise. Yeah, angry Marvin, I have never heard anybody call him <laughs> It was him on that. Wikipedia. It so. seems like so- yeah, that seems like somebody hacked Wikipedia, and that will be down Maybe. by tomorrow. But that. That that's kind of a funny one. I, I can do with angry Marvin. It's it's very on the nose. Um, the last style bender. Not much to tell you about him. He's 21, 15 knockouts. Uh, he was nine and one in the UFC. He lost his last fight, but that was up his challenge for the light heavyweight belt, which he uh, he lasted all uh, the full fight, but did not beat the champ Jan Blachowicz. Four inches taller, six inches to reach, minus two seventy. Uh, he's the easy pick for me here. Yeah, I'm going to pick him, too. Uh, I will say I definitely give Vittori more chance than I'm giving Moreno. Um, I I think Vittori's actually got a path to victory if he follows enough of what Jan Blankovic did. But here's the difference, because a lot of people are saying, like, ah, Jan Blankovic took down Izzy a bunch of times and won that way. And that's true. But here's the difference for me between him and Vittori. Blankovic had success on the feet. For the first three rounds. And then he leaned on the wrestling late. I don't know that that's a possibility for Vittoria. I don't think his striking is at that level. I, I mean, like, he, he didn't outstrike Kevin Holland, right? Like, Kevin Holland clearly outstruck Marvin Vittori anytime that fight was on the feet. Why would I not think that Israel Adesanya will? So, like, your only path to victory here for Marvin Vittori is you think he's going to take him down and never have to strike with him. And first of all, again, Israel Adesanya can be taken down. We've seen it. But except for those, like, late moments when he was super tired against Jan Blankovic, he gets up quick. He's not on his back long anytime he has been taken down. So I just don't expect him to have any sustained top control in wrestling against Adesanya. And as a result, like, he's going to have to box with him long enough to lose rounds and maybe even get knocked out. 
There you go. Um, not a huge amount of of analysis really needed for for the two main events. It, it seems, or the two title fights, excuse me, they seem pretty pretty cut and dry. So maybe that's why we spent longer on the. Uh, there's a lot of tougher fights uh, to to pick on on the undercard than than the main events um, on this fight card. I would say. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and and it's like again, I, I did we we got three rematches on this card, and I didn't want to say like, uh, you know, I warned you before. I think each and every one of them, where I don't want to call it sloppy analysis and just say, well, like look at the last one, but like two of them are are their last fights, right? Like so, and and then you know then we get Idesanya, which was again this one was a while ago, right? That is you know I think is Izzy's second fight in the UFC. We're clearly get a different Marvin now, and we've got a different Izzy, but like. The, the bottom line is is still that we've got a guy who largely gets his job done wrestling and in top control against a guy who doesn't really get taken down. So, um, and, and despite the fact that, you know, he did a little bit in the, the fourth and fifth round up a weight class when he didn't even really fill that weight class up, uh, you know, I, I still feel good about Idesanya here. All right. Um, there you go. Do you have any props for the people? You know, I was looking at this one. I, it's hard for me to see any of them that, that I really love. Um, you know, the heavyweights we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Jake Collier, Carlos Felipe, both of them being as durable as they are. I, you know, heavyweight fights, there's usually a pretty good prop on it of fight goes to distance because they expect heavyweights to just finish people. I don't expect either guy to get the finish in this one. So, I, I mean, like, if you want to look into that prop, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but, like, I bet you that fight goes to distance uh, is is probably you're probably gonna get a pretty good line on that. So I mean I like that one. Um, the other one that I like on this one is um where, where was that one? Oh um, it, Terrence McKinney's already a pretty big underdog, but if you like Terrence McKinney, you might as well bet him by knockout too, because I think that's probably how he gets it done here. Um, in Let's just say I, I like Eric Anders by finish. You you want to go back to that? Well, he was going to finish him the first time. I, I'll take him inside the distance too. There you go. Okay, lock time. Um, yeah, I'm. I don't care if it's only going to make me forty bucks. I'm taking the Vicin Figueredo uh, with my lock. I don't like. I said I'll, t- I'll take my forty bucks and I'll, I'll I'll add it to my growing pile of of money I'm getting off off my lock picks. I'm going to um, – so last week I said I was going to be a little bit more uh, cautious, take bigger underdogs, and that didn't work at all. Or bigger favorites, rather, and that didn't right. work at all. Um, so I'm going to go back to what I was doing anyway because uh, it makes me <laughs> happier. Um, and, and this life is all about being happy. I'm going to take Steven Peterson as my lock. Um, oh, okay. Good. Because I really don't think Chase Hooper is going to take him down. I really don't think he's going to. And I think this is a brutal mismatch on the feet because I, I like Steven Peterson's boxing quite a bit. All right, there you go. Uh, we did it. We broke it down for you. And this is a very, very solid fight card. Um, I ranked them on MMA-Manifesto.com, and this is the third highest uh, ranked uh, fight card, uh, strength of schedule, uh, or strength uh, on paper fight card since when I started doing it the end of 2017. So it's a very, very solid, uh, solid fight card. That's even with uh, Nate Diaz not really getting any points because he's barely won any fights in the past five years. So, um, so make sure you check it out. Um, and you're, before everyone runs away, your homework, I have to give you your homework. Uh, go to MMA-manifesto.com, which is a website I run and Dan helps with. Um, play our pick'em contest. If you scroll down the screen, you'll see we have a pick'em contest. Read uh, that story on Luigi Vandermini that Dan may have written. Who knows? Um, and read all our other good stuff there. Read all our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. 
download the app, obviously. Um, it's a very good app. I love it. Um, subscribe to our feed, our, our, um, podcast feed, MMA gambling podcast. If you're listening to this on the main SGPN feed, make sure you find our dedicated feed because eventually we are going to disappear off of the SGPN feed. So do that. And if you want to give us a nice review, like someone just did recently, that's always appreciated. Um, what else you do? You can listen to Dan's podcast, Top Turtle MMA podcast, the, and the Prelim Primer podcast. I almost called it Picker again, but it's the Prelim Primer podcast. A lot of peas. Um, follow us on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer and Gumby Vreeland. Um, subscribe to the SGPN Slack channel if if you're a fan of Slack. Go uh, find us on Slack and join in. We have lots of fun in there. Um, there is basically a a group for every sport. Uh, imaginable a bunch of degenerates on there uh, things get cooking on the fight uh, channel on there when fights are happening NBA channel is cooking every night now with the playoffs going on so make sure you check that out um, did I miss anything Dan I, I think you got it all and the best part of this episode I think it's your time yeah. to sign off okay well um, bye then bye then